This is an audio-only episode of Friends and Neighbors, a podcast from Mr. Rogers and Me filmmakers, the Wagner Brothers, in which we discuss depth and simplicity in an often shallow and complex world. I'm Benjamin Wagner, and today, Into the South, Part 2. Ten bucks for parking, I thought. Of course. The lot was shimmering like a national guitar, sun-baked, half-empty, dotted with slow-shuffling fans. I turned off my rental, a Kia Sportage Natch, and stepped towards a collection of white corrugated aluminum sheds that constitute Elvis Presley's Graceland. Not his house, but the dozen or so hangar-like buildings, this is prime tornado country, folks, across the street from his house that houses cars, planes, barbecue joint, movie theater, ice cream shop, plus a myriad of souvenirs and collectibles, bobbleheads, face masks, bow ties, shot glasses, bottle openers, backpacks, fanny packs, ice packs. Graceland first opened to the public in 1982, just five years after the King's death. It is the most visited privately owned home in America with over 650,000 guests a year. It rivals the White House and Hearst Castle with which it shares much in common. Even after a three-hour interstate sprint from Nashville, though, Graceland sneaks up quickly. It isn't terribly well-signed there on Elvis Presley Boulevard, just west of Interstate 55, nine miles south of Memphis, and less than four miles from the Mississippi state line. But the neighborhood is nothing special, really. A double-wide, strip-mauled collection of Dollar Generals, Family Dollars, Taco Bells, and KFCs. I was running late for my VIP tour on account of an on-again, off-again appointment with the last surviving purveyor of the nudie suit, Manuel Cuevas. Nudie suits, of course, are the flamboyant, rhinestone-encrusted outfits made famous by country-western singers in the 50s. From Johnny Cash to Elvis Presley, Graham Parsons to Jeff Tweedy, the suits have never gone out of style. The suit is named for its inventor, Hollywood couture tailor, Nuta Katliarenko, known professionally as Nudie Cone. Manuel was married to Nuta's daughter, Jamie Lee, so I made an appointment for a fitting with the 88-year-old tailor. When I arrived, though, Manuel was stuck in Los Angeles. His assistant had forgotten our appointment. Come back in the morning, she suggested. In the morning, an email greeted my sleepy eyes. He's still in LA. How about Saturday? The $190 VIP tour includes a meal at Vernon's Barbecue, I don't eat meat, a human tour guide instead of John Stamos on an iPad, a private shuttle bus, and, as it ends up, the opportunity to see real Elvis artifacts up close. And so it wasn't the jungle room or the three-television basement lounge with carpeted walls and taking care of business in a flash painted in blue and yellow, my go-to design should I ever have an extra basement, that moved me. It wasn't the newly remodeled racquetball court, the pool, or even the meditation garden. Too much fucking perspective. It wasn't even the secret safe in the VIP room where our tour guide let us hold the keys to Elvis Presley's pink Cadillac. No. No, it was his sunglasses. These were not run-of-the-mill, early aviator, TCBEP sunglasses, the ones you see at Halloween. These were something altogether cooler. Square, 70s, post-leather jacket sunglasses, bloated Elvis, dying Elvis, Super Cycle Stinger era Elvis, trapped by his fame, 
racing his three-wheel motorcycle up and down the driveway like a caged animal. My first pair of sunglasses were Foster Grant's. I saw them at Ben Franklin in Waterloo and begged for them. They were silver, metallic framed with mirrored lenses. I felt seen and invisible simultaneously. Since my first visit in 1993, I have approached Graceland with a similarly cool reserve, a strange detachment from the America I see around me, a strange disconnection from the Americans who visit him there. And yet, I am him, I am them, and we all are Elvis. I began to identify with him in my 20s as an icon or an archetype, a type of man, not a pop singer. He's our own Icarus, at once clueless and naive, bold, inept, and calculating, a rube and a genius in equal turn. He is the king with nothing, the emperor with no clothes, at once flush with everything a man can imagine, all of our earthly desires, and yet heartbroken, isolated, infantilized, objectified, and alone. And maybe that's why I return, repeatedly, year on end. Here is the American dream writ large, the mansion, the stable, the cars, the horses. Here is the American dream writ large, the awards, the costumes, the plumes. But here too is the cost, the melancholy, the entourage, the spotlight, the paranoia, the stillborn twin, the overbearing mother, the ineffective father. Ghosts and empty sockets. It's all there. Glamour and squalor, fame and infamy, joy and sadness, who we aspire to be and who we really are. Like a window in your heart, everybody sees you're blown apart. And everybody feels the wind blow. Friends and Neighbors is a Wagner Brothers production. Download our podcast on Apple, stream it on Spotify, watch it on Facebook or YouTube, and subscribe to our newsletter at friendsandneighborshow.com. And if you're moved or inspired by what we're doing here, please, for heaven's sakes, rate, comment, and share Friends and Neighbors with your friends and neighbors. I'm Benjamin Wagner, and until next week, it's a good feeling to know we're lifelong friends. <laughs>